thank my faith will be energized. I confess, I'll not only hear it, I'll also do it. Because I hear it, and I do it, my life won't stay the same. Thank you, Lord, for your life-changing, ever-living, miracle-working word. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I want you to listen to, uh, listen to these scriptures. I'll probably throw them up on the board there. I gave them to them earlier, so uh, hopefully they will. Uh, but these are, these are scriptures from the Proverbs. If you're taking notes, you can just write the references down, uh, you know, in your notes there. But there are references, uh, or there are scriptures from the Proverbs, which is the book, of course, Wisdom, the book of wisdom for man, which, uh, Lord, we need that. So uh, now watch this. Proverbs 15, verse 13 says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Proverbs 15, 15 says, and I'm reading from the Living Bible, it says, when a man is gloomy, everything seems to go wrong. When he's cheerful, everything seems right. Proverbs 17, verse 22 says, a merry heart does good like medicine, but a broken spirit dries, dries the bones. Amen. Praise the Lord. It, it may seem, you know, when you start thinking about the, the time that we live in, it, it may seem a little odd that, you know, we'll talk about a merry heart. I mean, after you've been out in the world all week and you come into church and, oh, a merry heart, and you think, well, this is going to be like one of those fake Christian things, you know, where we all plaster on smiles and, and, and et cetera, et cetera. But in light of so much that goes on, you know, the uh, flu, the colds, you know, oil prices, some of you know, in Houston, it really matters when the oil prices go down. We love the cheap gas. But Robert says, oh, no. Bob said, no, 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 we don't love that because there's other ramifications. All kinds of things, you know, the terrorist acts and so forth. But considering, considering the word of encouragement, uh, concerning the lifting up of the human heart, praise the Lord, it's been, a, it's been a word that has been necessary for the body of Christ from the very first century. I'm telling you, because uh, you read it in the Old Testament and you read it in the New Testament, there, there's so much that is said in the scriptures about the lifting of our heart. Actually, what I want to share with you for the next few minutes came about as I was, I was really looking at another area. I was, I was in uh, Ephesians 4, which I love Ephesians 4, but in verse 27, it says there, neither give place or the devil, or give place to the devil. And the Apostle Paul in that scripture is talking to the church uh, about being sure that they keep the, the door closed. In fact, if you read the second half of that chapter, you see he, he talks all about all kinds of things. He puts, tells them to put on the new man, you know, get off the old man and, and begin to really live and to grow up spiritually, you know. And then he gets to that 27th verse and he, and he says, nor give place or give opportunity to the devil. And um, I, I was reading that and then saw something different. I saw a connection then to the Proverbs 15 and the Proverbs 17 scriptures. I've read Proverbs 15 and 17 just like you hundreds of times. It's a wonderful, you know, those are great scriptures. But I cannot recall ever seeing it tied uh, to this point before. 17 says, a merry heart Verse 22, a merry heart does good. Praise the Lord. Like, like what? Like medicine. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit 
drieth the bones. It shrivels. It, it, the bones are like referring to our frame, you know, the thing that supports us. And so there's just, just this drying, this shriveling up, the picture that is that's given here, this, the shriveling up of the human being. Praise the Lord. Some of the earlier uh, writings, the Chaldee, as this was written, it was written, a merry heart doeth good to the body. Praise the Lord. This is one way to put it. But a merry heart does good like a medicine. Then tie that scripture to the one in chapter 15 that Solomon gave us there. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. Cheerful, we know that the countenance has to do with the face. A merry heart, it is something that a merry heart has an influence on your outward man. It has an, it, it puts a smile, it gives you a smiley face. Amen. A merry heart causes a smiley face, the, 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 the outward. It puts a, a merry heart, you know, when you're walking around with a merry heart, there's kind of a, there's a song that comes across your lips once in a while. There's something about your attitude toward life, toward others, toward, toward everything that is, is different if you're a person who's enjoying this blessing of a, a merry heart. There's something about your being positive. There's something about seeing the cup full, half full, not half empty, so to speak. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, then says, but, but, by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. By sorrow of the heart. And then in, look, in looking in that, I realize, you know what? The power of letting sorrow come into your life, the power of letting sorrow begin to get a, a foothold, get a, take a stronghold into, into my heart, that is one of those things that the Apostle Paul could be referring to back in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. Don't give the devil any place in your life. Don't open up the door. Don't let him have any room in your life. Amen? Because if you let him have room in your life, let's say in this one doorway, we let this in. We, we begin, maybe it's over a process of time, maybe it's a whole life, and we begin to let sorrow get into our lives. It will begin to dictate how you live your life. It will begin to dictate how you feel physically. It can begin to dictate your health, how your body functions. It can begin to dictate your bone structure how you're able to carry yourself, how you, what you're able to do, how, what your attitude is. It can even begin to dictate to what degree you're able to live a life of faith and hope and expectancy in the good thing. You can read the word, but you, if you have this, this, this stronghold, this sorrow that has gotten inside there, the, the word becomes, oh, it's in there. We got it in here. Oh, I wish it were true. I wish it were true. I wish it were true. I'm going, I'm going to believe that it's true, but it's not a reality. How many know it's a difference in believing something and living something, experiencing something? There's a lot of things that we believe that we don't experience. We want to experience them, but that we don't experience. Amen. And so here, even in the level of our faith and our hope and our expectancy, look at this with me. It says, by sorrow of the heart. By sorrow of the heart. The heart, there's the word, is, it's lib, uh, L-E-B, in the, in the Hebrew, which has to do... It has to do with the whole inward man. It has to do with your spirit and also with your soul. 
It, it has to do with your mind, your thinking, your intellect. It has to do with your emotions. It's, a, it's an inclusive word. A lot of times when we read the word heart in the scriptures, it is referring just to the spirit of man. But in this case, the word that is used includes all of the inward man. Now notice it says, by sorrow of the heart, the inside you, you, you by sorrow of everything inside you, watch this, the spirit, the spirit gets broken. What spirit is he talking about? The Holy Spirit? No. Angel spirits? No. Demon spirits? No. What's he talking about? He's talking about the human spirit. By sorrow of the heart, all of this that's inside here, the spirit, the human spirit of a man gets broken. He becomes broken. Well, I mean, we could put all kinds of descriptive adjectives to that. It means wounded, it means hurt, it means hit, it means beat up. It, it, it means, you know, when you, break, when you break something, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't work right. Is that right? You break an arm, you still got the arm, you put a cast on it, but you can't use it like you could. You have to give it time to heal. By sorrow of the heart, the scripture says, the spirit, the inward, the spirit man, gets broken. I, I want you to just think with me of the ramifications of this passage of scripture and then tying it back into give no place to the devil. Giving no place to the devil. I wonder, I wonder could there be any of us who have ever given place to the devil in this arena? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure there is. I'm talking, you know, to the person sitting next to you. Not your family member, you know, and just, you know, we love to project things on other people, don't we? But here we are. You know, I, I just wonder, look at the ramifications of letting sorrow, the ramifications of letting disappointments and, and just unpleasant events and setbacks of what we might term as a failure and embarrassment, hurt feelings, offenses, perceived injustice. You know, man, that's a big one. Just perceived injustice, whether or not it was a real injustice or not. We get all sad, and it begins to, you know, Things didn't go like we wanted them to. It didn't turn out the right way. You know, why is it always get that? We, we, we just didn't, it didn't work out, you know. And we let those things begin to come inside. We think it's normal. We think it's okay. The ramification of sorrow in the human heart is a broken spirit. Isn't that amazing? A broken spirit. In other words, something's wrong on the inside. Have you ever found yourself, in, you know, and you just realize, you know, something is wrong. I don't know what it is. I'm not really sick, but just something's wrong. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, just pray. I just, I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy. I understand the feeling. I'm just not happy. You know, Pastor, just things have just come in disappointments begin to come in. I want you to realize the ramifications of it. Life can become, even as a believer, going to heaven, thank you, Jesus, life can become almost miserable, if not miserable, sad, depressed. You know, sometimes we, we react in all kinds of ways. Sometimes we want to withdraw. You know, some, sometimes we want to strike out. Sometimes we just, we just want to chill, you know, just veg. Y'all are getting quiet, but it's the truth. Somebody can say amen, and you know it's true, amen. But now look at this. Okay, I talked about the negative side, but look at this. It says, but a merry heart, but a merry heart is like a medicine. A merry heart, hey, praise the Lord. Poke your neighbor and say, there's some cures. 
there's some cures. Hallelujah. It says a merry heart. A merry heart has life-giving effect on us. Merry heart does us good. Amen. A, a merry heart is like, like, praise the Lord. You know, this week uh, I lost my voice and all this stuff, and, you know, I had all this crud in my, you know, and I went to Dr. Yao, and Dr. Yao says, yeah, you, you're a mess. And he, he <laughs> don't you love it when, when he says, okay, and you've got to have this shot. Not in the arm. <laughs> For a 65-year-old man, you know, that's kind of embarrassing, you know. But here we go. I went, though, and I got some, because I was not getting any better, you know. And, I, and so I went, and I got the, you know, bang. Pop, got the steroid shot, took the Z-Pack, you know, and, and I have a voice today, praise the Lord. I took some medicine. I am so glad there was some medicine available. Look, I'm, I got good news for you today. There's some medicine available for us if we're not experiencing the fullness of the joy of the Lord that we want to. Hallelujah. Isn't that, a good, isn't that good news? Now watch this. Verse, Proverbs 23, 7 says, says this, that, that uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. There's no wonder that Proverbs also says in the fourth chapter, 23rd verse, he tells us there, he says to guard your heart with all diligence. For out of the heart is the wellspring of life. The wellspring. How many of you ever seen an artesian well? Anybody ever seen one of those? Or, you know, it just comes up out of the ground and just runs. You know, it's just amazing. I remember as a kid in Alabama, we had, uh, that was, it was not uncommon. We would have those around, and the water was always so pure, and it was just, I mean, you could drink it. In those days, back before the Civil War, you could drink that water, you know, and didn't have to worry about it being polluted and so forth, you know. Listen, out of the heart flows the issues of life. What if your heart is broken? What if you got a broken spirit? What if you got what if you have sorrow that has taken over your heart? You know what that 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 wellspring that comes up out of your life can I say is it's going to be somewhat polluted. It's going it's going to be uh, you know, it's not going to be pure. It's not going to be good. But out of our heart, the heart is the wellspring of life. The issues of our life, the kind of life that we want. A merry heart does good like a medicine. It's like a cure. To what? A cure for our body. Not only our bodies, it is, but it's also, it's a cure for our whole life. A merry heart. Somebody say a merry heart. Let's say it again. A merry heart. Say it three times. A merry heart. A merry heart. A merry heart. Let's say this. Lord, I want a merry heart. Hallelujah. Oh, that just sounds good, doesn't it? It feels good. Lord, I thank you for a merry heart. Hallelujah. Thank you for a merry heart. Oh, a merry heart can, can affect you in so many different ways. It can affect your life. It can affect the way you think. It can affect your, you know, your outlook on everything. I was reading some statistics, and one professor at Stanford University Medical School said this. He said, mythful, mirthful, I'm sorry, not mythful, mirthful laughter is a constant mood changer. It can erase fear and anger, anxiety and depression. What is that, merriment? It can erase fears, anger, anxiety, depression. This, this same man spent 50 years just in research on merriment or in uh, laughing and so forth. And he said, listen, laughter 
conditions your heart muscles, exercises your lungs and your diaphragm, works all of the uh, abdominal and thoracic muscles, it boosts the immune system and even increases the adrenaline and the blood flow to your brain. Lord, I need that. Hallelujah. Uh, another researcher wrote this about laughter, and he says, it increases your alertness, your, increases your tolerance to pain, lowers your blood pressure, improves respiration and breathing, reduces your stress by adjusting chemistry in your brain. Amen. And then he went on to say this. He said, if I could develop a medicine that could do what laughter did, then I'd be going to Sweden and getting my Nobel Prize. Amen. Laughter is such a medicine. Merriment is such a medicine. Of course, now here, see, they, they find this and they write in their, their medical journals, but you know what? God knew this all the time. God knew this. He knew all the time, and so he had it written through Solomon. A merry heart is good like a medicine. Keeping a merry heart. Keep your cheer keeping your rejoicing, not letting sorrows come into your heart and break your spirit. As he said in the fourth chapter there of Proverbs, guarding your heart with all diligence. As Paul said there in Ephesians 4, neither giving place to the devil. Proverbs 15 and verse 15 says, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Hallelujah. You know, one of the things uh, that, that, that I love about going to Luby's, you know, is <laughs> you get whatever you want, right? And if it's not on the little plate, it don't matter. As long as you've got money, you can just keep it. How many of you like to go to, I, I'm telling off here, anybody in here besides me like to go to an all-you-can-eat place once in a while? I know y'all are real spiritual and real... <laughs> body conscious and good, but once in a while. The sad thing about going to an all-you-can-eat place is you get full. <laughs> it is, and you, you get so full, and then you can't eat anymore, and you're just like, oh, what's the word? The sad thing about Thanksgiving lunch is, you know, there's always more there, and you just, you're just like, the Bible says that he who has a merry heart it's like he has a continual feast. You can just eat all you want, praise the Lord, and you never get full. You just have, isn't that a beautiful thing? So, oh, Pastor, how do, I, how do I get a merry heart? How, you know, oh, goodness. What if the truth is that, mm, look at my life. We get into this self-inspection thing, and sometimes we don't want to look at that. We're, we're good about looking at sister so-and-so, but, but if I look at my, at my life and, you know, really I can see more, there's probably more sorrow in there than there is cheer, you know. What do you do about that? Or is it that only a few fortunate people, you know, are able to always have that positive attitude? You know, it seems like they're just always up. And no matter what you say, they've got a good positive word. They always see the, the, the glass, you know, half full. You know, is that just a, just, a, just a few fortunate people like that? Do you ever run into people like that? They just doesn't matter. It just seems like they always got a smile. You just want to just slap their face, don't you? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, they're just always. Uh, isn't that something? You know, is it, can a merry heart be something that I can learn to have? What if I don't have a merry heart? I love the scripture saying a merry heart does all this good stuff, but what if I don't have a what if I don't have a merry heart? Amen. I mean, is it something that maybe the that God could help me to learn how to have a merry heart or to develop a merry heart? 
Well, I think we have to go back and we have to, you know, we look to the, to the word for answers, and it's very important that we establish whether or not that's something God wants for you. Can you believe that God would want that? Could, could you believe that God would want you to have a merry heart? Well, and you know, Pastor, I, you don't know, I, the job I work, you know, you can't have one. Could you believe that even in the job that you work at, the hours that you work, the teenager that you have, hallelujah, <laughs> that you could have, you know, a merry heart. Well, I think we have to look back into the scripture, and to me, it becomes very apparent that this is a lifestyle that God that God wants for us. And I'll show you a couple of scriptures. Uh, for example, there in, in the Philippians, the fourth chapter, which is another powerful chapter, but Philippians 4, uh, you know, here's Paul writing to the people of the church, and, and, and he's in jail. Help us, Jesus. Here he is. And what does he say to us? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. And then here comes James. James, you know, these are all first century believers. They had their obstacles. They had opinions. They had their ISIS of the day. Hello. They had their, you know, the ones that were after them. What did he say? He said, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations, count it all joy. Oh, come on now. Well, I'm just trying to say, look, this is, this is a lifestyle that I believe that God has, that God has for us. There's a scripture, there's a prophetic scripture, and I just want to go to it in Isaiah chapter 51. This is a prophetic scripture about God's, what God has planned for everybody in the future. So this is God's heart. Watch this. He says in, in verse 11, he says, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord, everybody say, that's me. The redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing and desiring, and everlasting joy will be upon their heads. They're going to obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning will flee away. That's, that's, that's God's heart. That's God's desire. Can you believe that there's going to be a day, praise Of course, this is a prophetic day of when the Lord Jesus comes and he makes everything right. But there's going to be a day when all of us who are the redeemed of the Lord are going to come to Zion singing hallelujah. The everlasting joy is going to be upon our heads. Our, we're going to be singing the joys of praise. Everybody's going to have a merry heart. Isn't that amazing? There's coming a day. But it is a lifestyle of having a merry heart that, that, that God wants for us. Well, if it is, then there must be something in the Word that, you know, that would help me to, to, to achieve that, to, to bring it to a reality in my life, and I, I believe that there is, and I'm going to throw it at you really quickly here because I'm already out of time, but here we go. If, if you were to take a look and you say, uh, just between you and Holy Spirit, God, you know, I, I don't really live that, that Mary Hart thing. If I look into my, into my heart sorrow I see sorrow I see a sorrow what would I do here's number one the first thing you would do is you treat it like any other sickness you'd ask Jesus to heal you ask write that down ask Jesus to heal you do you know that Jesus can heal a, a, a broken heart just as easy as he could heal anything else he healed lame people. He healed blind people. He, he cast, I mean, he, he was, the, the Bible says that Jesus can heal a broken heart. In Psalms, 
the 147th chapter in the third verse, the scripture says, He healeth the broken in heart and he binds up their wounds. God heals the brokenhearted. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus had been out into the wilderness and he came back and he came back, the Bible says he came back in the power of the Spirit. You know, he'd, he'd been through all that temptation and he went into uh, his hometown. He got out, asked for the, the scrolls there in the synagogue and he turned he turned to the place where it was written, Isaiah, the six, we know it as Isaiah, the 61st chapter, and, and, and he began to read. I love his, his first recorded message. It always speaks to my heart. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is on me. I have received a divine power. I have received a divine commission, divine anointing. I have the anointing to preach the gospel to the poor. And the very second thing that he said is to heal those that are brokenhearted. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Where does it start? Where does a merry heart start? I think we have to have a healing. It starts there. You know, if we can't say that you're living in the blessing of living with that, that merry heart, don't stay there. Don't stay there. Can I say this to you? That it, the devil will tell you that it's natural, but it's not. It's not normal. Amen. It's not normal. You say, well, Pastor, you know, I remember, I've, I've lived with this so long. I've been this way so long. You know, um, till it, it's just normal to me. No, it's normal to the world. And it's normal to those that the enemy comes to press you down and to, and to, and to ruin and wreak havoc in your life. But it's not normal. It's not, it's not normal to the believer. Because a merry heart really should not rest totally upon your circumstances and what's happening and what happened in the past and who likes me and who doesn't like me and, you know, my successes or my failures or how much money I have. It, it really is not based on those things. Everybody say, it's not normal. It's not normal for the believer. Amen. So what do you do? The first thing we do is we go and, and we ask Jesus to, to, to heal us. Jesus said, I came to give you an abundant life. Amen. An abundant life. The devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came to give you an abundant life. So we ask him, Lord, to heal us. Proverbs 15 and 13 says, This merry heart makes a cheerful countenance as God begins to do something inside him, and our heart gets healed. Our spirit, broken spirit, begins to mend. It makes a cheerful countenance. If it is to show up on the outside, you'll begin to feel it. Hallelujah. How many, of you, how many of you can recognize, just think with me, the times that the Spirit of the Lord has been with you the closest and come upon you, the how did you feel? Did you feel like, this is the saddest day of my life. My God, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, 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 no. That's not the way you felt because when he begins to work inside us, hallelujah, it, makes our, it changes our countenance. Notice it says there, a cheerful countenance. Sorrow about sorrow the others. But we begin to enjoy being alive. Here's one. Write this down. Proverbs 12, 25. It says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. A good word makes it glad. Well, here's a good word. Here's a good word. It's not normal for my heart to be broken. It's not normal. Jesus can. Jesus will. In fact, Jesus already has provided for my healing. So I just have to ask him. I have to ask him in the spirit of faith. Now, I'm not talking about just, oh, Lord, well, just heal me. You know, sometimes we do those throw-down prayers, what I call them, throw-down prayers. We just have them in our pocket and throw them down. 
I'm not talking about that. If you, if you had cancer, if you had cancer in your body and you went for prayer, I'm going to tell you something. You would be serious about your prayer. May I tell you that, that a broken spirit, a, a, a heavy heart, a sorrowful heart is as serious to the condition of your life as, as though you having a physical cancer. It will affect you. In fact, it just takes longer to kill you. Yeah. It's a serious thing. So I'm talking about a prayer. Jesus, heal me. I'm talking about a prayer where that you go and you exercise your faith and you believe that you receive that Jesus Christ paid the price and that he can heal my broken heart. He can take the sorrow outside, out of me. He can lift it off of me so that my attitude, my feeling, my, my whole being can be different. That's where it starts. That's not the end. That's just where it starts because once you exercise your faith, and God begins to work inside you. There are things, hey, I've been teaching on faith on the Wednesdays. Listen, faith always requires some actions. There's some actions that you begin to do. Some things that you got to do to, to walk out this change that takes side. I think one of the first things you got to do is make room for some laughter. Amen. Make, make some room for some laughter. Praise the Lord. Well, you know, Pastor, I haven't laughed in so long. You know, I used to belly laugh and it would hurt so bad, you know. But I hadn't laughed in so long. as you, and, and so there are some people, I mean, literally, they feel guilty to laugh. Uh, they, they feel it's silly, you know. I'm going to crack my makeup if I could. <laughs> Mess up my head. You've got to make room for laughter. Jesus said this in Luke, I believe it's in the sixth chapter. He's preaching his, his message and he says, you know, uh, there's a time, he says, that weeping comes and the mourn, mourners are going to mourn for a while, but then that mourning will be turned into laughter. Into laughter. You've got to make room to it. I think a good ha-ha every now and then is good for you. I think sometimes a, a good made-up ha-ha every now and then is good for you. Amen. No, we're not telling you to be silly and be stupid. That you want to. Anyway, but, you know, but listen what. Sometimes you have to give yourself, you just give yourself permission. Be ready to laugh anytime that it's, that it's appropriate. You know, there's no virtue in being solemn and not, and not allowing yourself. Can I have an amen? Here's, here's a good one. Then what you got to do is let's look in the, uh, watch, exercise yourself with your, with your words. Look at what, what are we saying and what are we thinking? What am I saying and what am I thinking? Because almost always, whatever's inside that heart, you know, I'm telling you, it's going to start coming out your mouth and start looking at that. What's coming out of my, of my mouth? If my, words, if my words are lining up with the sorrow and my thinking is lining up with the sorrow, then there's, there's something wrong. Hey Amen. I've got to... Basically, what has happened is, is I have, even though I may know scriptures, I may know the word of God, I've got it all up here, but I have not let it be, take the supreme place in my life. It's, it's head, but it's not in my heart. It's in my head, but not in my heart. So what we have to do is begin to give it opportunity for the word of God and the thoughts of God and the ways of God to take the place of ruling over the over the throne room of God. Because if the word is ruling in our lives, then the words that we say and, and the, things, the thoughts that we have, they're going to be lining up with the word of God. Hallelujah. And they line up with a merry heart. I'm not, we're not talking about being, you know, some hilarious idiot here, but we're talking about a merry heart, a heart that's content, has the joy of the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. Those are things we, we make room for laughter. We begin to exercise discipline over our negative, unscriptural ways. The Bible says this in Luke chapter, uh, and in Proverbs uh, 15 and 30. It says, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 14 and verse uh, 14 and verse 30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body. The envy rots the bones. But watch this. There's, there's two or three different translations of that. A heart at peace gives life. Another translation says a sound heart. A sound heart. That's one that's healthy. A sound heart. Another translation said a tranquil heart gives life to the body. It lengthens our, lengthens our life. And the last part is so important. It says, envy rots the bones. What does that have to do with it, Pastor? Envy. Envy is a description of a lifestyle of a person who doesn't have a merry heart because that person is jealous and they're always looking at what everybody else has that they don't have. Why me? It's the why me life right there. Why me? I don't know. Why they... They did this, they got that, they have money, they drive this, you know, uh, why me? Seems like I don't ever have anything. I wish I, I wish, I wish I was lucky like that. No, that's, that's the lotto mentality. Hello? Yeah. It says envy dries or rots the bone. Resent what, what other people have because, you know, you hear good news. Robert just got a raise. $100,000 a year, praise the Lord. Well, why don't I get one? Well, maybe I can get, you know, Robert to give me some of his $100,000. Spread the wealth. Let me move on a little bit here, praise the Lord. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm closing. I'm on my landing. I'm on approach. Here we go. Okay, here, I'll just give you two things and I'll close. Praise the Lord. You know, I never have been able to, to preach a sermon homiletically in order. After 30 years, y'all's prayers have not worked. <laughs> we, just, we just land when the clock runs out. Amen. Here we go. Number three, live the Philippians 4 model. Now, years ago, I told you about the Philippians 4 model, but this is important. The Philippians 4 model is a model for our life. Verses 4 through 8 is a model for living. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. He's in jail, and he's telling them rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Here we go. This is the model that I'm going to accept. And then he said, let your, it says, gentleness be known to all men that the Lord is at hand. God's at hand. The gentleness is your unselfishness. Let your unselfishness, your unselfishness, Gracious contentment be seen by all people. Why? The Lord's at hand. That's what's important. Jesus is coming. So poke somebody and tell them, Jesus is coming. And that's more important than anything that you could ever be thinking about. Jesus is coming. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be rejoicing in the Lord. Always, always I'm going to be rejoicing in him. My unselfish life is going to be the example that I portray. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with prayer and supplication, and worship or thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. 
And then he says, and the peace of God, the peace of God, this is the result of this model of living. It's going to guard your heart. God's peace is going to take up the place there. Instead of sadness and heaviness and, and a, a heart that is broken, then God's peace is going to come, and it's going to, it's, going to, it's, it's going to guard my heart and my mind through Jesus. And then he tells you, well, here's, focus your thoughts on this. He says, think this way. Whatever these things are true and noble and just and pure and lovely and good reports and virtue, and if there's any praise, find it and meditate on those things. Hallelujah. You know what? You cannot live that model, that lifestyle, without every now and then a smile come creeping up on your face. It's going to pop out. You can't help it. It's, it's going to. There's going to be a there's going to be a praise the Lord pop out of your lips sometime. There's going to be a song that begins to be sung. There's going to be a testimony that you can't hold in. You got to tell somebody. Just want to share how good the Lord is. Because a merry heart promotes health in our bodies. It promotes health in our attitudes. It's a reflection of God's word that is ruling in our lives and in our minds. It's a reflection of a demeanor that is connected to God and is generous in every way. And my last point is, is just write it down and maybe I'll just preach a whole message on this one. We're talking about this merry heart. Remember this, that a merry heart is one that looks at life through the eye of authentic faith. A merry heart is one, is a heart that looks at life through the eye of faith. Hallelujah. You know that's what Jesus did? Jesus looked at life through the eye of faith. And I think that perhaps, uh, you know, one of the reasons that's recorded in Hebrews chapter 12 uh, about Jesus and he's our example and so forth is that God wanted us to see the most extreme case and the Bible says that Jesus endured the cross, the pain of the cross. He went through the suffering and the shame. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. He saw it through the eyes of faith that there would be many sons and daughters who would come into the kingdom that the father would have a family again. He saw it through the eye of faith, and it took him through. You know, when, when sadness tries to come, when it tries to overwhelm you, it may even be a loss of a loved one or, 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 or just a flat failure when it tries to come. You know, and I know, the scripture says that that's not the last of, that's not the end of your fate. That's not it. That's not the... Okay, in fact, you and I have already received eternal life. Let that soak into your heart. We're not looking for eternal life. We're not waiting to heaven to get eternal life. We have already received eternal life. We are to live life from the perspective that this thing keeps going on and on and on and on and on. So I look at life through the eye of faith. Today, I may be in a fight. 
a fight of my faith. Today, I, I, I may be binding the devil off of something where he's trying to gain victory over me. But as I look at it through faith, I can't help but remember a scripture like Monica read this morning. God says, I know the plans I have for you. And they're not the plans for you to be destroyed in whatever you're going through right now. They're not the plans for you not to be able to pay your bills. They're not the plans for you to, you know, to be wiped out. No, that's not it. I know the plans I have for you. And they're plans to bless you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you prosperity. And plans to secure, to secure your future. Amen. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to close this with prayer. Wow, can't believe it. But anyway, here, I'm going to close this with prayer. Bow your heads with me for just a moment. Nobody looking around for just a second. If you just say, if you say, Pastor, man, I, I think I could make an improvement in that Mary Hart thing. I think I could come up a step. I, I feel, maybe you said, well, you know what? I believe I'm, I'm down in that category where, uh, man, I've got a broken spirit. You're the one I want to pray for. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to believe you receive a touch from God as I make this prayer. You and I are going to believe together. It's going to be just like you were standing in front of me and I laid my hands on you. We're going to believe together. Treat it just that serious and just that personal. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we are so thankful that you love people, that you love all of us, oh God, and you particularly love that one with a broken heart, a broken spirit. And Father, I'm asking for healing right now. Jesus came. He's paid the price. He bore the shame. He paid the price for our disasters and our destructions. He took us and lifted us up out of the pit and put us beside himself in heavenly places. Now, Jesus, I pray right now for healing. Will you do a healing on the inside of my friend? Jesus, heal their wounded spirit. Heal their broken heart. Lord Jesus, heal a wounded spirit. I thank you for it, Father. Now, Lord, you said that when we pray, all we had to do was exercise our faith and believe we receive it. Now, Father, I do that, and I believe right now that you, by the Holy Spirit, are touching people on the inside, and you have begun a healing in Jesus' name. Now, Father, help them to know how to change, how to change. They can't keep doing the same things, thinking the same thoughts, saying the same words, and expect a different outcome. But help them, O oh Lord Jesus, to know now what to change to cooperate with the healing so that they can walk in the fullness of a merry heart. And I give you praise and glory and thanksgiving in Jesus' name. We said amen. 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 Prayer partners, please come down front. May God bless you. We're going to miss you while you're gone. You know, if the Lord wakes you up at 11 at night or even 2 at night, pray for us, okay? And uh, we'll see you in a short time, and we will have a good report to share with the church. Amen? May the Lord bless and keep you. Praise the Lord. He's going to be keeping his face shining favor on you all week long. Amen? And uh, we'll see you later. If you need prayer, the prayer partners are down here. God bless.